Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I'm joined by John Greenwood, Head of Communications for Governor Dow. Welcome, John. What's going on, Luke? Great to be here. Glad to have you. Uh, I think you're my third John in a row. <laughs> wow. I don't feel special, man. I don't feel special. <laughs> First Greenwood, though, so you should feel a little special. Cool. Uh, all right. So so today we are talking about Governor Dow. Um, so, John, can you give us an overview? What is Governor Dow? Yeah, sure, man. So uh, really, in a nutshell, Governor Dow is, uh, you know, a Dow that based on the, the trifecta solutions of governance as a service, um, which is really just our our solution for implementation of governance across the board, um, our POE technology, which is our civil resistance technology, and um, also too, we, we kind of have a, a set of side offerings such as our launch pads, et cetera, for NFTs. So, you know, uh, Governor Dow really as, a, you know, our ethos is really just governance for, you know, all, all projects. Uh, that includes DAOs, non-DAOs, everything across the board on and off chain. So that's that's kind of everything in a nutshell, man. We we do we do a lot of uh, more follicular things, but really, uh, you know, the, the the ethos pathos is just governance for you know uh, fitting kind of all projects across the board. Very cool. Yeah. So it's it's a really interesting um, solution that y'all have have come up with. I I just want to say before we go too much further for people listening, I'm not invested in Governor Dow. Uh, but I do think the idea has a lot of potential. So do your own research, make sure that you know what you're getting yourself into if you do want to buy this token or go deeper with it. So uh, it, it's interesting that this applies beyond DAOs because governance is a system that applies to blockchains generally, um, NFT projects, any DAO community. You know, It could really be anything that you want to decentralize, right? So when you say governance as a service, what does that mean to you? Yeah, so it's a very common question, really. So there's a lot of DAOs and a lot of, um, you know, companies, if you will, out there that do governance implementations for projects, right? So we we take that kind of that core offering, as well as our experience and knowledge as being a legal DAO, the first to solve civil resistance. You know, we've had issues internally with like, uh, you know, internal hostility with a developer. We've had, you know... Um, kind of merger split type uh, acquisition type situations. We've had a lot of different, um, you know, in real life experience where we can kind of say, okay, well, working from not a, use this term uh, loosely, as a legal DAO, quote unquote, this is how it should be. And then in in theory, this is how it should be. But then in practice, this is how it works best um, versus, you know, going to our competitors and getting, you know, the most secure setup or whatever else that will cost you, you know, thousands to maintain. And then as soon as the developer goes rogue, you have a problem, you know, so if that makes sense. So we kind of encompass all of that. Gotcha. Yeah, makes sense. So, so that's governance as a service. Yeah, and that's just the consulting and the framework, just to clarify. So we, we physically, you know, we touch base. We look at, okay, what that situation looks like from a governance perspective. You know, is it uh, just voting? You know, is it a yield farm that needs, you know, to push uh, improvement pro- uh, proposals for, you know, different uh, pools, for instance? You know, what is it? We custom tailor, you know, multi-signature, um, snapshot, scattershot, all these different things like that, as well as in-house uh, tech and then, you know, that ties in nicely, obviously, with our proof of existence tech, 
you know, um, which I'm sure you'll get around to, but that's really kind of the cornerstone of uh, where that's built into. Yeah, that's where we're going next. So, so let's talk about that. Proof of existence. Basically, my, my rudimentary understanding of this is that you are identifying people without like, you know, storing their exact identity on chain or anything like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So really, the core of the key phrase to remember is civil resistance, right? So that's civil, S-Y-B-I-L, not civil. Um, we're, not, we're not going to run on the Capitol or anything anytime soon. But uh, no, we're actually, uh, so civil resistance uh, comes from, you know, this idea in cryptography uh, during the 1700s. There was this woman, uh, Sybil, that had a bunch of different personalities, right? And um, it's named after her. So basically, it's, it's the thought proposal that Okay, I as John Greenwood can can um, show up and pretend to be Luke in a decentralized anonymous space because you know okay I I know that I had a you know a, a show with John Greenwood on this date well so do I you know like I could I could pose as you and I could split up voting potential I could split up. Um, and, and kind of signal towards something that I propose myself. You know, there's a lot of situations there where civil resistance is key. I mean, this was mentioned in the Bitcoin white paper by Nakamoto. This was uh, mentioned in the Ethereum white paper. So all these things are, it's, it's very important and it's never really been addressed. Um, right. I mean, it, it has at a contract level and at like a, a protocol level, if you will, through certain things that have made it harder to do this. In theory, but I mean, it's still as easy as uh, you know. I have a, a BAT file on my desktop that I could just whiz up a couple wallets real quick, right? So right. I mean, and send funds to them within seconds. You know, life is great. I can signal to whatever I want. And I mean, who's going to go through there and dig? And then how do you invalidate the fact that okay, well, yeah, he just created these wallets ten seconds, you know, after the proposal was created, and then it, it, you know we can see the kind of the chain of events here coming from the main wallet that proposed it to this new wallet. But then it's kind of like, well, you know, can, can you really just outright invalidate that? Or, you know, th there's a lot of kind of niche situations. So with, with the proof of existence, um, what it's able to do is take a biometric hash in your browser, right? So uh, the, the JavaScript and everything else, the payload, I, sh I should say, for this technology is downloaded locally, you know, in your browser. Um, it hooks in via Web3 MetaMask. You know, it says, OK, you are registering X address, you know, whatever it may be. Basically, what you're doing is you're taking a short um, it's about five seconds long. You take three short uh, videos um, and you say a phrase, right? Sure. In the process of doing this, what ends up happening is it, the, the technology takes those three videos that you take, keeps them on your machine, hashes them into an average, right? Using voice and face, uses over 1,400 data points. Um, and then it is able to then crunch a hash, if you will, that is then transported to a server. That server just literally has, you know, a data table that has the address, comma, you know, then the hash. Um, basically, in the future, in order to verify that you are the same owner, you can do the same thing uh, with another video saying the same phrase that will compare biometrically and prove that you are the same person. But there's two separate processes within that. Uh, the first one is just, you know, getting yourself uh, through the POE experience. You take those three videos. Um, it gives you that hash. Uh, you're assigned a POE token, which is currently still free at the moment. Um, 
you know, that that gets you a token, which, you know, you're signaling your your proof of existence or your identity being individualized on the blockchain. Right. Um, you can do this with only one wallet. Right. Uh, it is multi-chain compliant, everything else at this time. You can do it with only one wallet, I should say. But, um, you know, really, it's kind of to incentivize and to kind of make this this uh, global whitelist out of the following right because and that that's just really a side effect to what ends up happening but through this process we're able to keep people anonymous keep people decentralized it's not anyone deciding who's who you know it's literally just ai that's saying okay this is a person and they're an individual and we haven't looked at them before right that's it and um i mean i think that that's really important here in this space where in an anonymous, you know, being anonymous and being really, um, you know, high interaction, uh, you know, these networks have no clue kind of how many people and how many hands are involved. And this really levels that playing field a lot, you know, yeah. through a whole host of different mechanisms. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, I mean, just going back to the the idea of civil resistance, I think most people have heard of like a 51% attack, right? And for something like Bitcoin, the uh, the the voting power is based on your computer hash rate, how many computers you lend to the to the network. So uh, to attack the network, you need to contribute fifty one percent of the computers. Um, for something that's proof of stake or governance based on some token, um, that would be you know you have to control fifty one percent of the token. So for something with a low market cap, somebody with enough money outside could come in and theoretically acquire enough uh, to attack it, assuming there's that much for sale, which for most protocols, most tokens, that's, it's hard to actually get that much token. Um, yeah. Well, I would think of it from a different way though, as well, because, you know, um, I, I wouldn't look at it as a complete takeover, right? Because, okay, I'll use a good example. So in the recent future, within the past month, I'd say on, on maker, um, someone proposed to pay themselves like 40 million die, right? Literally in a, in a and long story short, it passed, right? Um, there was no, there was no like good reasoning behind this. It was basically just a show of force, uh, vote, which this happens all the time on all different protocols. So, you know, Maker and Die as a stable, nothing was changed. It wasn't impacted. Uh, 40 million across a multi, you know, 100 billion network isn't going to affect anything. Uh, at the end of the day, though, that person walked with dough that wasn't really theirs and right. just came out of treasury because they can, you know, literally use sock puppets in order to boost their vote power. Right. So we're not talking, uh, you know, a 51 percent attack. Yes, that, that's the traditional kind of um you know, at its most, not basic, but at the core, that's, you know, what you're going to need in order to topple a, um, you know, a contract level agreement, right? Um, or, or pull liquidity or something else, um, in theory, at least. But, you know, we're, we're looking at it from a much more dynamic, you know, sense, like such as, you know, proposals, right? Voting. Um, you can't do democratic voting right now. We can't, you know, we have a simple plug in. You can, you know, go on Gnosis, uh, Aragon, whatever, use your multi-sig of choice, use your, um, you know, your uh, voting platform of choice, um, snapshot, scattershot and signal on there, you know, and regardless of holdings, you're getting, you know, one vote or you could do a blended approach where it's holdings plus one, you know, so it's 1.002, you know, because you held 200. Right. For example. Right. So those are the situations we're really looking at. And I, I mean, this is very, very apparent nowadays because one of the most um common things that's happening now is with, you know, like yield farms, for instance, right? Mm -hmm. 
you get a lot of yield farms that have, there's a lot of governance behind the scenes on kind of where funds are going, you know, what new pools are coming out, you know, are are they being passed or approved for? And, you know, there's a huge space for kind of um, negative energy, if you will, to come into. And there's a lot of gamification going on because, you know, if you're a a large multi-million billion dollar protocol that's about to get listed into a, a curve pool or something else, I mean, think of, the the potential there if you know you you are listed right so the thing is uh sorry for dog noise in the background but you know the 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 thing is in this case is that it's like okay well you know this will protect against situations like this this allows protocols now to say okay your first seven hundred fifty thousand dollars is yielded this way your your after that you know your next 250 is yielded this way after a million it's yielded this way right we can have much higher yield levels at lower levels uh i mean it, it fixes so many things depending on what what little niche area you're looking at and honestly we could talk about it for days but um you know i think that it's really important to look at the more protocol level things uh, not really the hostile take over 51 percent sure yeah that, that's fair yeah i mean just for for understanding purposes i think it does make sense that i mean 51 percent attack is kind of the uh the absolute worst case scenario absolutely I mean, this does help with that because it's a lot harder to acquire 51 yeah. people and get them on your side uh, yes than it is like a token or compute power um, yes and, and i would also argue too that even like you had said initially, to get your hands on 51% of a token, right, is, is highly unlikely. And then on top of that, if you have some sort of civil resistance uh, in play here, that means that this is all going to be in one wallet. That means that, you know, I mean, it's literally going to appear on the whale list. People are going to make sure that, you know, it doesn't happen. It's not like this mass accumulation on one wallet of 50% of a protocol is going to go unnoticed, you know. So, I mean... There's that added layer as well in in that theoretical 51%. But like I said, it's really more um, at the protocol level where, you know, proposals and just a lot of negativity that kind of goes down. Uh, You know, whales play a lot into this. Uh, You know, our our POE solution is anti-whale, anti-bot, anti-gas war, you name it. You know, we've used it in NFT um, launches in order to guarantee, you know, one per person. Um, you know, we've had complete, you know, 100% complete distributions on that before that sold out in three seconds. Um, you know, we've been able to kind of flex that on multiple different chains at multiple different times. Because uh, keep in mind that, you know, POE is a, a parachain or multi-chain offering, you know, so um, it, it is a compliant on all EVM chains. You know, it's uh, literally a, um, something that we're really focusing on at the moment is getting that on other EVM chains uh, with the exception. We're already on Matic, um, working on uh, Arbitrum, Avalanche, and a couple others. But um, really, at the end of the day, it, it comes down to making these protocols more secure, um, being able to have that civil resistance aspect to them, and also being able to... Um, imply better governance you know throughout with it so it's better voting better governance structure you know everything kind of plays out and comes together nicely with the POEs. gotcha cool um yeah so so talk to me more about the the proof of existence because i i get how this applies and how it makes governance at least potentially better right you can have a more democratic system um with the power is distributed to the people and not concentrated to a few very wealthy individuals or that sort of thing. Um, but talk to me about the technology, right? Proof of existence. Where did this idea come from? Is this all like brand new implementation inside of uh, governor DAO or, 
Yeah. 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 So that's a really good question. Um, I just gave this story uh, on, on my last call, go figure. So uh, the, the origin story kind of goes something like this. Um, you know, while governance as a service, as a framework idea was being built out in uh, the biggest rug pull of uh, 2020, so, uh, the DeFi summer rug pull of Bree, um, which was Dow Breeder, right? Now, while that was kind of happening, um, where the, that's where the rest of my team came from, I was over with a fintech company called Finavant. I uh, was doing some sales work for them. I had kind of just gotten uh, stranded in Alabama uh, thanks to the virus. So I was kind of uh, finding some new stuff to do while I was doing some crypto stuff. And I said, okay, you know, I work for these guys. Well, um, on my way out the door, I had kind of said to them, well, hey, you know, it was it was real. It was fun. Um, this belongs on the blockchain. And the next project I found myself a part of was Governor Dow, uh, who, uh, you know, a, a buddy of mine kind of brought me into the fold here. So one thing kind of led to another. And one of the first intro calls we had after I became part of the team was uh, between me and another team member named Cody was to get Finavant and Governor Dow talking. Now, Finavant already had the tech that's used, you know, in banking apps uh, called networks, um, stuff like that, you know, call centers, I should say, where, you know, OK, I, John Greenwood calls, um, they, they verify it's me through social, whatever else. And then it uses the remainder of the conversation in order to get like a voice fingerprint of me so that when I call in the future, it's able to give, you know, a probability index or even use it as a, a, a stop completely. Or, you know, it can gauge it in some way that, you know, bank staff and everyone else can kind of know what's going on. Right. Um, sure. For fraud purposes. So this was already a thing for a little while. Um, they had another implementation that was at the app level for application banking. So, you know, um, if you had a particular bank at the time, and you moved over a certain amount, it would require, you know, voice and face type integration. So uh, this tech, that, like I said, this was something that already existed. It, it was not in a Web3 compatible or easy to make implementation. That was something that the two of us paired up on to work on. So um, the final product was Proof of Existence, which is a Governor Dow, uh, Governor Dow product. Um, the, you know, the uh, service they have over there is called Saytech. Uh, Saytech is the Finavant version of that. Um, the two of us, like I said, work together to kind of create a mashup of their technology being obviously the base and then the web three compatibility for that from our end. So, you know, the, the final, um, the final product is, you know, what's currently known today as POE or proof of existence. Um, and like I said, you know, there's, there's multiple facets to that um, through the POE token itself. There is that whitelist that's building out on the back end. Um, there, there's a lot of other kind of side effects, if you will, to POE as a service, but um, that's really the origin story. So, okay, yeah, we already had the idea of governance and just to bridge the gap as well between that rug pull, what ended up happening was everyone kind of came together, formed a pseudo team in the meantime, and um, that was kind of right before I came along. So what ended up happening was that, okay, I, I came to the picture. And like I said, once uh, we kind of had that conversation, we realized that, okay, we could use this metric technology in order to make our governance better and you know make kind of novel right in order to, yeah. to match that original approach so that's kind of where that you know led to so it, it what ended up happening is we used uh, another one of our core uh, technologies called lga or liquidity generation event in order to launch the token um so that required zero you know funding really it was just uh, the users that self-funded um they bootstrapped their own liquidity and it unlocked over a period of time um that kind of got everyone who was rug pulled initially 
their money back plus for the most part um, and give us a really nice runway to get started. You know, we did uh, quite a few NFT launches with, um, you know, all various forms. We did a lot of different, um, you know, governance implementations for smaller projects on a couple of different chains. So, you know, we've done quite a few different things along the way. And really, you know, like I said, at the moment, we're really focusing on the POE level integration with other projects uh, and protocols. That's really what we're looking at. Cool. Very good. Um, yeah, I guess one of my, uh, my concerns with, uh, POE, maybe you have a response to this is the idea, like, since this is biometric and, um, you know, it's the, the actual data isn't stored on chain, it's just the hash. Um, my concern is that this, you know, what if, (laughs) what if I'm burned in a fire or I lose my voice or, Something like that. Or, or, you know, what if I just disguise myself and use a voice box or something like that to kind of cheat the system and fake multiple identities? I don't know if that would work. I don't know if you've tried that. Um, but yeah, yes, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so there's multiple questions there. So first of all, right, let me, let me answer them in order. So yeah. we got to remember what this is used for, right? This is an addi- sure. either an additional layer for access control. This is an additional layer for voting or something else. This might be giving you access to yield or something else, but you're still having a private key to secure your wallet. So if your face melts or something else, you know, it, you're not losing access to your wallet. Also, too, the tech uh, actually grows with you. So every time that you verify, it's taking a differential between you now and you before. Um, you know, facial features, glasses, stuff like that aren't going to change that ever. Uh, we can prove that. And we have, you know, we've never had any issues with that. Same being with, uh, so if you change drastically with voice or face, um, although those are edge cases, currently the tech could probably handle it. If not, we have ways of, um you know, moderating that in a way, if you will, similar to if someone was to lose, obviously, access to a wallet, they would need to create a duplicate, right? We have a moderation process for that as well. So, um, you know, we, we, uh, the the short answer is that we have moderation processes or the technology is superior uh, to things like deep fakes, right? Um, There's no, the thing is, is that when people see deep fake technology, if you really look at it, even the best of the best tech, there is tears that you can see graphically um, and audibly. And that's just to the human ear and you know eyes. If you were to look at that with AI in milliseconds, it's like, yeah, no, that's not John. You know, so that's that's the difference there. Now, that's as of, you know, 4.13.22 at, you know, 1.27 p.m. Uh, I, I mean, who knows if that would change in the future. Um, if it would or if it did, I would say that we have a couple of ways to kind of fight that, um, you know, in the pipeline that have always kind of either been there in one, one form or another. But um you know, it, it is resistant to, you know, multiples, uh, to faking it out in pretty much any number of ways, um, you know, and the, you really when it comes down to it, the worst case scenario is, okay, you have an NFT release and you really want to get two, you know, and you have your sister pose as you uh, or make her own and, you know, then mint her own. I mean, it's still minted to your sister, you right. know, she just transferred it to you afterwards, right? So, I mean... It's like, you know, that's kind of the worst case scenarios as far as gamification goes. Sure. Um, you know, the I think that, like I said, the edge cases where someone gets into an accident or something else, you know, I, I think it would really depend on the, the 
gravity of that situation, right? So, I mean, I don't want to be like completely inhospitable and be like, oh, it's always going to work because obviously that's, you know, that, that's not plausible, right? So yeah. for those, like I said, we do have a moderation process um, similar to the, you know, just the reverse of what would happen if um, someone was to lose access to a wallet, right? So they they do something for us where they sign a message, um and if they still have access to it, if it, if it got hacked, they can send a message. If they don't have access to it, they can go through another process. But either way, you know, uh, we're, we're able to kind of verify that. And then once again, we're just clearing that token. They still have to register a new one. So the sure. thing is, is that they would not be able to really get a new identity out of that. They would still get the singular identity, you know. And if whatever chance say that I really faked my best to be you Mm-hmm. and I don't have access to your wallet, then I'm not be able to pass that moderation process, right? Or if I never had access, I should say. And then secondly, even if I somehow do, as soon as you come back online, it's going to show up again anyways, and then we have a moderation process to take care of that. So, you know, I mean, there's no duplicates detected in the system at any given time, unless it's people that are trying to literally make another wallet. You know what right. I mean? Right. So, because yeah. that's, that's where the mashup point is, is people that are registering for new POE tokens. It's not mm-hmm. people that are verifying. You know, never once in history have we had anyone trying to verify that was a duplicate. No, it's when they're actually trying to register. So, you know what right. I mean? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, I mean, with anything, this is a still a permissionless environment, and so yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and the last thing you said is about the data. I'm sorry before oh, yeah, before yeah. I forget. Yeah, yeah. So, um, there is no, you know, once again, I mean, the best way to really show this to anyone is that you know, if you go to only one me, so o n l y o n e m e dot governor dot org, um, you know, that's how you kind of embark on this process. It's free. It takes a couple minutes. Uh, you know, life is simple. You can do it on multiple chains. Um, you know, you'll actually get a, a token on multiple chains just through a single process. But anyways, um, you know, what I would encourage is anyone that's familiar with like developer tools in the browser, you know, and especially in the Chromium browser set, uh, you know, you can see payloads going in and out. You know, you can see data moving in and out. As you take those videos, there's like one kilobyte that moves in or out. Right. Um, If you're familiar with like data size, you know, my 2009 flip phone could not take a a one kilobyte photo, let alone video. So, you know, that nothing like that's being transported. It is just a hash. And once again, that hash is very dependent upon the time and everything else. And there is a zero knowledge portion of this where if it was like, you know, I think of that, um, I forget who it was. It was one of those like data protection companies that protect your social or whatever. Um, the, the CEO put like his, his social on a billboard. Like I, I would be more than happy to put my biometric hash, if you will, on a billboard because the thing is, is if you remember how the tech works, it's already irrelevant what my previous reading, if you will, was because it's going to change on the next time, right? So it's just comparing that to the previous. So like, the question would be how you would reverse engineer something in order to hit all those same data points, but change so that the machine sees it as being relevant, but not too overly relevant. You know what I mean? Right. So um, it, it's, you know, it's really a conundrum that, you know, I guess you kind of have to take some of our word for it, look at some of the engineering documents and then just kind of use some common sense. But, um, you know, this is why biometrics is used for phones, you know, voice and face combining the two um, makes it go from, uh, I believe it's about 92%. Don't quote me on that. It goes to like 99 point something percent, um, you know, on a security factor uh, as soon as you add the two, which is why, you know, we chose to do so. So, um, you know, I think that kind of pretty much every vector out there we've we've thought of. Um, that's not to say, like I said, you know, we're obviously quite aware this is emergent 
atmosphere. Things change all the time. You know, uh, I'm not jaded enough to think that this would, there's just no possibility ever, but you know, as of today, we are good to go and cranking along. For sure. Yeah. It it feels like you're really solving a problem here. Um, The, the, the problem of governance with tokens is like, it works, right? It's generally functional and depending on the project, it's appropriate. Um, But this, this opens up new possibilities. Like if you could actually, and obviously with a margin of error, um, if you could actually have one vote per person for whatever it is, or one action minting an NFT per person, um, that that makes for very interesting applications um, in a decentralized environment. Obviously you can do that uh, as the government, right? With yeah. social security numbers. Uh, but if you want to be decentralized and actually have that capability, it opens up some very interesting applications. Like you could theoretically don't know that you would want to, but you could move like voting for government elections onto the blockchain <laughs> with something like Correct. that. Yeah. Correct. So, so we've obviously, so uh, I'll approach two questions there. Uh, really, we, we've approached that in main life, right? So obviously you have union voting, um, college, you know, voting of all different kinds that happen on college campuses, yeah. um, local, state, federal elections. You know, we, we did approach that angle at one point, you know, that's obviously a huge undertaking. I think we yeah. kind of circled back to, hey, let's really solidify who we are on the blockchain where we began and then kind of go back. Because I think uh, my best answer to why why the momentum stopped there would be that honest people generally have no problem with this tech dishonest people do you know yeah. what i mean so like if i have an nft launch where i'm not planning on gaming it and my little friend group over here isn't going to game it then i don't care because you know it's a free integration it, it it takes 10 seconds longer but everyone gets to whitelist themselves i don't need that to have them jump through hoops and discord like and this and that and everything else mm-hmm. and my distribution's better because my distribution's better price go up generally speaking you know i, I can't say that that's a direct correlation but 90 percent of the time plus we see that through our uh through our launches right so all these things you know are kind of um, you know valid at the same time i think that you know those those real real life use cases are are you know, important to remember because we can now take this and, you know, theoretically you could do on-chain things off-chain using voice and face only, right? You could have kind of a step-up authentication within wallets and stuff like that in order to send, you know, crypto over a certain amount, let's say. Um, You know, there's a lot of different things that you could kind of do here with this tech, both on and off-chain. So, uh, you know, there is, we're very cognizant of those completely real-world scenarios. You know, you don't have to have this on the blockchain, because I do want to clarify something you had said uh, about the data is that there's actually no biometric or any type of data whatsoever that is stored on blockchain, right? So I want to be very clear here. So the ERC-20, they're all the same. All you get is an ERC-20 token that's non-burnable, non-transferable, and it's only burnable through a process, right? Mm -hmm. So the thing is, is that when you come and you complete that process, basically what that does is it adds itself to a Amazon Secrets database, like I said, two columns. One column is uh, the address. Second column is that hash, right? And then from there, it's just going to keep adding new hashes um, and then averaging them basically. So it becomes into a couple columns. So there's no identity or anything else there. It just goes by wallet address, right? But now because of that, we could uh, replace that wallet address with a whole bunch of different things. So, you know, we could literally do it by social, like you said, right? You could set up a whole voting system 
uh, built this way. You know, now that's probably more something that Finavon is probably going to be more heavily involved with. You know, they have their own token coming out and they have something that, you know, they are um, kind of looking to do in that area that we're, we're helping them out with in, in various ways. But, you know, we are very, very open to still going into that area in the real world. You know, as far as blockchain uh, applications, I mean, we have literally thought of like, I used to say like 900, I'll be realistic, hundreds minimum of different, um, you know, ideas from gatekeeping to access to control to, you know, there's a lot of different NFT angles with membership NFTs and everything else. I mean, the 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 very first uh, NFT that we launched with this was called YCSM, You Can't See Me. And uh, it was just like a random box, a, a a transparent PNG that was different dimensions. That was the only um, trait was different dimensions, right? So there was nothing to see or, or own really. And it was a membership based, you know, so it was kind of just the, the pick of the draw was the rarity. And, you know, you get to kind of uh, travel around the globe type thing and do different events. And, um, you know, the, the project kind of went down its own path, but as far as the launch through us, right, something that was really interesting is obviously it's a, it's a membership based NFT. So, you know, one per person makes sense. It, I don't see why you would want more than one, right? Um, unless you're buying it for a spouse or best friend or something. Secondly is, okay, well, because of that distribution initially, the price couldn't be leveraged or jacked because normally you see someone that grabs a handful of, of a hot you know, item and then they're able to jack the price because they have a, a significant set. Well, if you're the only oddball selling a YCSM for five ETH when they were going for two, it's just never going to sell. You know, so I mean, now you just own, you're just an owner at this point, right? If you sell it for a floor, then you're just a statistic, you know, so this kind of takes in, um, evens out that playing field also too, you know, you got to think about it from when you're minting. Um, or when you're performing functions uh, that aren't, aren't necessarily NFT functions, but primarily NFT mints, gas wars disappear with this because it doesn't matter if there's 50,000 or, you know, 500 that are available. That whitelist is only going to be so big based upon that, right? So depending on how you configure it as an NFT, you know, developer, um, you, you can configure it in a couple of different ways. But, you know, in, most likely you're not going to have 2 million people on a whitelist for 5,000 NFTs, right? So... With that being said, this process takes and slows it down so that it doesn't turn into a giant free-for-all. Um, you know, we don't see huge gas spikes or these huge, you know, uh, diversity issues, you know, with distribution. So, I mean, it, it, it takes care of a lot of little niches. And we could, like I said, we could talk forever about individual use cases with the PLE tech. Cool. Yeah, very good. Um, to, yeah, I mean, the, the tech... I think is really useful. Um, talk to me more about the state of the project, right? You've done launches, you're involved in various projects, probably actively. I don't know what you're doing right now. Um, but like what's, what's next, what's on the roadmap? Yeah. So, you know, really to give you a state update and be completely transparent, right? I mean, just like any other growing project, a couple of things hit us, right? The market hit us later last year, doing some treasury funds. Um, you know, we were in the middle of building in a bunch of different directions when that happened. So, you know, since then, you know, we took a direction more towards like a biz dev role where we kind of got done building 95% of everything, because we do have a lot of other product suites uh, involved in that process that we haven't talked about. Um, there's some specific tech in the POE process itself that uh, is a standalone item, if that makes sense. So, um, 
you know, there's a lot of building that got done. So currently we're in a state where it's all about BizDev and integration, right? We're looking to, you know, work with other people, work with other entities, companies in order to integrate this tech and to keep, you know, kind of build out and build up. Um, You know, prior to this, like I said, it was, it was a healthy split of building and kind of, you know, moving forward. Now it's just simply moving forward. Um, we are, we are really focusing on, you know, a multi-chain approach at the moment, you know, okay, let's be ready with uh, both grant funding and, you know, kind of the kills, uh, not the kill switch, the, the, the power switch, if you will, to turn on other networks, you know, um, relatively quickly, which we can already do. Um, the deployment's very simple with this. It's a, a couple single lines of code for uh, people that want to use it. On our end, it's just, you know, a couple contracts for deployment. Uh, so, you know, that's really what we're looking at is building out, you know, our user base, though, because that's where the validity comes and everything else. And, uh, you know, I think really just getting a, the, the point across that, hey, you know, this is completely anonymous tech that can be used to solve an age old problem that makes the space a lot better. You know, I mean, if you Google civil resistance in crypto, you know, there's a lot of articles that explain how much this would have helped the system since day one if there was some sort of implementation. So, you know, we're, we're really just trying to get people to realize that and understand and kind of make the tech uh, align with the times, if you will. So sure. that's uh, that's what we're looking at, you know, for the current quarter moving forward. Um, you know, it would be great because I, I feel like, you know, we're really just one integration away from blowing up. Um, that's kind of how it's been the whole time. And we've had a lot of smaller pieces. Now we're starting to talk to larger networks and everything else to build out in that way. Um, but, you know, we're, we're always just one integration away from, you know, getting big. So, yeah. um, and, and really to what's good to mention as well, you know, for the, I, I don't shill GDAO whatsoever because the tech speaks for itself, but, you know, why become a GDAO holder, you know, just to answer that question, the GDAO token itself, literally, we have a vault and all the money that comes in from POE, from other products and services on mainnet currently and other networks coming soon, um, literally gets pushed to a payment splitter where, okay, this goes, you know, as LP, this goes as GDAO here, this goes as GDAO back to the treasury, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, you can enter the treasury on, you know, day one, with 100 GDAO, exit with 100, you know, 10 on day 10, you know, in theory. Um, so, I mean, we have a token that literally pays back 99% of everything to the to the individuals, right? So that's something that's really cool and kind of unprecedented as well, because not only do we have all this, you know, cutting edge tech and kind of uh, diversity of tool sets, but we also have the ability to take that and give whatever profit beyond, you know, keeping the lights on back to the people that bootstrapped us. So yeah. that you know, it all it all pairs together nicely, for sure. Yeah, the token sitting, I think it's like one point five mil uh, market cap. Is that right? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, so somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's crazy because we've gone uh, up to like what eight mil, no, a little bit more than a little bit more than ten million actually. Um, so you know, we're we're always a three million market cap. We have been since day one. That will never change. Um, I think like five are burnt somehow, according to uh, EtherScan. But um, otherwise, uh, you know, the rest are in circulation. Um, all have always been in circulation. Uh, the Treasury holds, you know, like a hundred thousand. Uh, that's sure. about it. So you know, the everything's out there. Everything's always been available. Um, the the token itself, you know, we were really comfortable around a dollar, you know, dollar fifty, two dollars. Um, we've seen spikes up to four, but really, I, I think it we've just followed the market trends. Uh, what I will say is that for a really small project that has, uh, or you know, 
mid-sized at this point, you know, uh, project that kind of, we weathered multiple storms and we had, you know, the price action, although it hasn't been overwhelmingly positive uh, recently, it, it's not negative either. You yeah, know, yeah. so we have a lot of good support from people that understand how important this tech is, how important this space of biometrics, you know, in anonymous decentralization is, and, you know, how important governance is. And it kind of comes all together in order to, you know, allow us to continue existing. Um, you know, assuming that the funds are there to keep the lights on and everything else, I, I in my opinion, Governor Dow will still be there to build because, you know, it's it's pretty much built so that at this point, you know, as long as the, the bare minimum is met, if you will, um, everything else is kind of automatic. Sure. Yeah, you know, like 99% of everything is automatic. It would just require maybe a couple hours a month to kind of uh, make those contract calls happen, you know. So the the automated portion of it and everything else is really nice as well to be able to hand it off in the future. Um, like I said, we are a legal DAO, so it is owned by the people, um, cool. you know, out of Wyoming. So, you know, we have a, you know, a lot of uh, vote process that goes on and, um, you know, governance obviously is displayed internally, um, you know, at all levels. So, I mean, it's definitely a project I would, uh, you know, I, I would check out just at least to understand what civil resistance is, how it affects us, um, you know, how we, how easy there are to, you know, put solutions in place that, you know, put a, put a can on this and um, kind of also, you know, just to understand what a DAO kind of looks like when it's working, you know, together and, you know, actually working in unison. So. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um I mean, obviously it's still pretty early for the project, but it seems like there's a lot of runway for for the idea, at least. I, again, I, sure. I, don't know, I don't know a whole lot about the team and, um, you know, how the token was distributed and all that. So definitely for anybody listening who's interested in, uh, in GDAO, do your own research. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's exciting stuff. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this one. Awesome, man. Yeah, you know, we, we do have a fully documented team, governordow.org slash team. We're all doxxed. We, we've all been in the space for a while. Um, tokens were distributed all fairly via LGE, so no freebies there. Um, team was never paid in free tokens either uh, type thing. So, you know, it was all proposed. But with that being said, you know, I definitely agree. Everyone do your own research, regardless if it's GDAO or anything else. You know, I do not want to be the guy that said uh, get involved with anything. And you'll never hear that from my mouth. But, uh, you know, with that being said, I definitely uh, encourage people to check it out because I think that there's a lot to learn and, uh, you know, a lot to take away from it. Very cool. All right. Well, John, this was a, a very edifying interview. So thank you for taking the time. I, I really appreciate you sharing your perspective and on what you're doing over at Governor Dow. Luke, I, I really appreciate it. Man. Thanks so much for having me. So where can people find you going forward? Yeah, uh, you know, our, we have a couple of uh, main hubs. Uh, our big one is Telegram. You know, that's where our main um, kind of discourse takes pair. Um, we do have a human chat. So if you have a POE token uh, on Telegram, um, you know, you can actually hop onto a human-only chat. Uh, all of our social media links on Twitter, uh, Discord, everything else can all be found on governordow.org, um, docs.governordow.org for all the documents on everything. Um, and once again, for the actual POE experience, it's only one me, uh, governordow.org. So that's kind of all the, the major links you need to know. Very cool. Yeah, I'll throw links to those down in the description. For sure. All right. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Join me next week for the Coin Press podcast. Bye for now.